Welcome to Simply by Grace, a podcast of Grace Life Ministries with founder and director, Dr. Charlie Bing. This podcast and other helpful resources can be found at our website, gracelife.org. Now, here's Dr. Bing. What kind of life do you have when you were born to an African king and have 23 sisters? My friend, who I call simply Asari, was destined for the throne of his tribe in Ghana, West Africa. But ancestor worship and shallow Christianity didn't really satisfy him. Then one day he heard the clear gospel explained and it changed his life and ministry. This is Asari's grace story. Today we want to talk to a friend of mine for a long time from the country of Ghana. I know him as Asari because he has multiple names, some of which I might have trouble with. But I met Asari when on one of our earlier training ventures in Ghana and training there in our Grace Life Institute and training in the Gospel of Grace and some other subjects to ground people in grace. And um, he is actually here in the United States at our Free Grace Alliance conference, and we're so happy to hear him and see him again. But I want Asari to introduce himself a little bit and give, give, give his full name, if he wants, and where he is from in the country of Ghana. Mm. Well, my name is Barry Makufi Asari Chebafo. Um, if you're familiar with Ghana, your day of birth, not necessarily your date of birth, it's a very important thing to Ghanaians. So the day of your birth uh, could be a Monday, your Kojo, it goes forth and on to Friday, which is Kofi. Um, in my case, I wasn't born on Friday. I was probably born on Monday, but I was named after a king. So my name, Berima, Berima is a title, which simply means warrior. So warrior. Kofi Asari Chebafo. Administratively, my first name is Asari, and <laughs> Chebafo is my family name. Well, that, that's quite a, a story, it sounds like, that you're from a royal tribe yeah. and called a warrior. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your tribe, which is the uh, Akan tribe or yes. Ashanti tribe, which yes. is like the chief tribe in Ghana, yes. where we get kente cloth and the gold and, mm -hmm. and so forth. Tell us a little bit how, about how you were raised as a, a, mm -hmm. the son of a chief. Yes. Well, um, I'm from the Royal Ashanti uh, clan. I'm from the Oyoko clan, who are the occupants of the Golden Stool. Um, the Ashanti kingdom uh, used to be an empire, uh, the first uh, black empire of the sub-Saharan uh, Africa. And uh, my, my part of the family, which happens to be the Chiba force, were warriors. They were the, the war leaders, uh, more like the generals of the war. And these earned my great-grandfather's the title, Berima, which is more like chief warrior, that sort. And I grew up in, in a palace. I was being raised to take over from my grandfather who unfortunately had um, 23 daughters and no son. 
Mm. I was his first grandson. Um, now that that would be from more than one wife, we assume. Yes, um, my grandfather had about sixteen women, uh, having twenty-three daughters. I think he was in search of a son, and only one son. Now that is a record-breaking number of yes. sisters that I've ever yes. heard. Yes. So uh, I I was the first. I am the first grandson, the first male of his lineage. So I took all his names, um, all his names. I was named after him. He adopted me when I was three months old. So I lived with my grandparents for the first 17 years of my life. Uh, I actually grew up in a very rigid, traditional African society, or African family for that matter. And for some of us who were being groomed to be royals, uh, ritualism, discipline, and more importantly, duty to your people played a huge role in everything that you do. I, I cannot forget the many times I have to be reminded, uh, be reminded by my grandfather that royalty is both a privilege and a duty. So, well, privileged to have been born into a royal family, but then a huge duty to carry yourself as a royal and a huge duty to take care of your people. So I grew up in this setting and it was purely ancestral worship. Um, we worship the dead. We worship our great kings who had died um, every, and we had, Sacred days. The sacred days were for the making of libation to these ancestors. We had a stool room where special foods were prepared and given to the ancestors to come eat. Now, uh, let me chip in this funny story because um, okay. if, if you're familiar with Ghana in the 80s, we used to eat chicken once a year, and that was during Christmas. Eat chicken just once a year? Just once a year in the 80s. Um, I think. Yeah, Those were. from the 60s who even have their own stories, probably they didn't eat chicken at all, but yeah. we used to yeah, eat yeah. chicken once a year. But what we saw was that on sacred days, and Christmas came in to my family because uh, of um, one of our grandfathers who was exiled by the British Bessie Shales and who became an Anglican. And so the Anglican church became more of the royal church. Mm -hmm. Up till today, the Anglican Church is the Royal Ashanti mm -hmm. Church in Ghana. Royal um, Polish Church, more of such for Ashanti. So we used to celebrate Christmas, but on sacred days, the best of meals, you have mutton, you have beef, you have well prepared with fufu. Uh, Fufu, fufu, the local dish, yes. which I love. With granite soup. Granite uh, soup. And then they put it in the sacred room for the ancestors to come eat it. And in the evening, um, my cousin and I, we just saw this old woman just enter the room and bring all the food and then they throw it away. And then we would ask, why didn't the ancestors come to eat today? They say, oh, they ate spiritually. So, <laughs> so from that time, my cousin and I, we, we decided to turn ourselves to physical ancestors. So they sent the food to the throne room 
and and we would go there and actually make do with the meat as we don't used to get this i quite remember i think these were all part of making a decision for christ and how easy it was for me because this woman would just come in the evening and when she sees that the meats on the fufu is gone she would begin to curse and and go like the ancestors will make you mad if you do this but it turned out that we, my cousin and I, we turned out the best in the family because we're eating good food. <laughs> we turned out as the very best. So, yes, um, I was privileged. I went to good schools, um, had strict, very, very strict. Um, but you were brought up in your local religion. Yes. Uh, ancestor that involved ancestors. Ancestral worship. So <laughs> the Anglican Church was just nominal, yeah, name only. Just, yeah, we... We had to be accepted one way or the other by the society. We had to be seen to be projecting Christianity. And more importantly, we had to be seen to be tolerant of other views. Mm -hmm. So, yes, um, it wasn't uncommon for us to also visit maybe the mosque because Kumasi, as it is, is um, a cosmopolitan city with uh, Muslims and all other religions. But... The king will visit the mosque and not pray, but will go to the Anglican church and pray, you know, because hmm. that's, that's more like a royal home for him, you know. So, yes, um, I was privileged, as I said, went to some of the best schools in Ghana. And um, in my secondary school, before we complete, we used to have what we call uh, last church service. So when you finish with your last paper, your last exams, uh, they put all of us together and they bring a preacher to preach to us. Mm -hmm. And uh, fortunately for us, uh, we had a visiting preacher from the United States. I think he's Reverend Timothy Darwin. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure he comes from North Carolina. Okay. He's, he's done a great job on the African continent uh, as a missionary. So he came to preach to us. And that was the first time I heard about Jesus Christ. Even though I've been going mm. to church, I knew the story of the cross, but it was abstract, mm -hmm. nothing personal, um, no relationship. Couldn't even think of him as somebody who can be so close to me. Jesus was more of some white man, some white stranger who I see in books drawn and who Christians make a whole lot of noise about. But this American spoke about Jesus in very beautiful, beautiful terms on how he loves us and how we can begin a relationship with him. So that was the day I became a Christian. But he was a Baptist minister. Mm -hmm. He left. And, and how old were you? I uh, was 17. Okay. So when he left, I naturally had to find a church. And I realized the Anglican church wasn't giving me much. So I became a Presbyterian. Uh, and by becoming a Presbyterian, um, I think that started a whole other journey of confusion. A journey of wondering whether I was saved. A journey of working my way out to be saved. Uh, I believe there were so many rules, so many rules one had to obey. Even when they have told you God is love with the right hand, they bring so many 
responsibilities to take that love away with the left hand. Mm. They give you love with right hand and they give you hatred with the left hand. And you do not know whether this God is um, as loving as they projected him to be. But you wanted to go to heaven, so you keep trying every day. You keep trying, never come to a point of assurance. You never come to a point of knowing assuredly that you are saved mm -hmm. or not. So um, the journey continued until through college. And then in 2002, I was out of the university fresh. And I had a girlfriend in Accra who is now my wife. Uh, I came to Doreen. visit her, Doreen. We'll mention her name. Yes. So I came to Accra to visit my girlfriend, Doreen. And she told me, oh, they're holding some conference in my church. Uh, if you would love to go there. She didn't come for any of the program. Then I got there. I saw this uh, white man looking a little Chinese, a little... <laughs> <laughs> You know, everybody in China recognize <laughs> everybody in Ghana recognizes me as Chinese, a <laughs> half Chinese. Half Chinese is what I am. But in America, they they always have to ask me because they don't know. <laughs> you know, and um, I as I sat there uh, was a Monday morning, and the Reverend Doctor Bing began to speak about grace. Practically, I loved where he picked it from. He started from the story of creation, went through the fall, and then God's provision. And he started talking about grace, 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 grace. I, I found myself getting deprogrammed and being reprogrammed to something much more better. The next day, he spoke about the Gospel of John. So the next day was purely on the book of John. And that was the first time I, I learned that there are as many as 98 believe um, in the Gospel of John alone. Then before I left on the first day, I was given a small booklet, Dear John. Mm -hmm. So uh, as an avid reader, I finished that booklet that very night. And then I started the book of John I just really wanted to be sure whether this man is telling me the truth about the word believe in the book of John. So I found me settling every word, believe, 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 believe. I think I love the purpose statement of John, John 20, 30. When it says, Jesus did many things, but all these are written that you may believe. And it began to make a huge difference. So the clarity with which Dr. Dr. Bing shared the gospel of grace, it became so clear um, and so liberating. It was a five days event. I, I remember inviting a couple of my legalist friends yeah. to, to be part of the event. Uh, once they were not there in the first two to three days, I found myself teaching them everything I have learned. I still have that note. Unfortunately, I didn't bring it to America. Uh -huh. I still have it. Hmm. It's a very precious, precious gift to, to, to me. I always make reference to that even till today. Then I realized 
how sinful I have been. Not because I accepted Jesus Christ, but because I made it practically impossible for others to come to Jesus Christ. You made it impossible for others to come to Jesus Christ. Practically impossible. Explain how. You well, know, what were you preaching? Works. Now believe in the Lord Jesus Christ that you may be saved. But then you got to live holy lives. You got to obey the commandments. You got to. A litany of things that people must do in order to be saved. I found myself telling people how difficult it is to serve Christ. And, and I use these terms directly. I, I, I was found telling people, do you think it's easy becoming a Christian? Do you think it's easy being a Christian? Do you think it's easy being saved? You know, mm -hmm. for, for me, it might have been easier living that kind of rigid life because that's how I was brought up. Mm -hmm. But then there was so much failing privately. And after each failure, you still doubt whether you've been forgiven after you prayed. I think one of the tests that was so misinterpreted for us had to do with Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 27. Or something. Yes, I think. It was so misinterpreted um, mm. that if you willfully sin mm -hmm. after you've, and, and every day we were asking whether we're going to make it to heaven. So after hearing the truth, I began to feel very guilty, but I was free within, but I felt guilty for all the people I misled. All mm. the people that I condemned out of grace, mm. people that people that I laughed at, especially for the few people who had um, who had some sort encountered the true gospel and had secured some form of liberation for themselves. Mm -hmm. And when I'm in a discussion with them, how I talked them out of their freedom and pushed them into prison. Mm. How I made it impossible, practically impossible for anybody. And I realized this was self-righteousness. This was more like earning my way. I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to get to heaven and praise myself that I did well. Uh, I worked myself to this place. Because, yes, that is what it's seen in royal homes. You have to work for everything. And so mm -hmm. in Christ, I thought I had to work work mm -hmm. my way out but but were you were you ever sure at, in those days that you were saved Did not you, at all not at all not a single day not a single went day. by without me questioning whether you whether. committed the willful sin <laughs> that's it <laughs> yet all sins are pretty much willful you know but anyway but i think there's a statement and i believe that believers must always listen with rapt um maybe it's a gift god might have given me through my grandparents and the kind of training they give me. When you are in the middle of smart people, shut up and listen. <laughs> so, so I found myself listening, and, and there's a statement Dr. Bing made in those days. Maybe I heard him repeat the same thing two days ago, uh, yesterday, and he said, um, Do you think God is surprised by? your shortfalls. Do, do, you, do you think he would say, I, I didn't see that coming? 
you know, I, I didn't know he was going to do that. Um, do, you, do you think? And so, indeed, if God is sovereign and he knows the end from the very beginning, then I don't think he's surprised by how my life tends uh, up at a point in my life. And so when he died on the cross, the point is he died for all of our sins, future included. Nothing will surprise him. That's it. That's it, you know. So, so it's 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 begun the journey. But then, this is where the testimony is. The testimony is that now I had a good reason to live and enjoy my God. I had a good reason to even serve God because I was not compelled to serve Him out of responsibility and out of duty, as I was made to know early on but this time around i serve him because i love him and he loves me mm. and he first loved me actually and that i respect mm. him um so even service became naturally enjoyable mm. it became effortless living the kind of life that was more mechanical or let's say external externally militaristic militaristic in, yes you know it's so rigid you you want to you don't want to offend this god you you think of him as this wicked man sitting somewhere who is ready to to, to burn you and and the sad situation is um Many people are still believing God this way. Yeah. And, and for some of they us... live in fear. Absolute fear of Him. Um, but after listening to, let me call it the grace life message, I had the freedom to enjoy God, knowing that I am justified by grace. Mm -hmm. Free. Free. I was taught some grace, but I think I call it grace with responsibilities. Mm -hmm. I call it res res responsible grace, more like, yeah, even grace has to be earned. This is no gift. You have to do something to earn that gift. And what is it that we must do? I think the approach was work more for it instead of believe, mm -hmm. just believe. For that, so this uh, has been a wonderful journey ever since I I encountered Doctor Ben, and uh, I just uh, you know make the observation that many people say when you understand free grace and that Jesus has forgiven all of our sins, that gives you an excuse to sin. Mm. And here you're telling us the exact opposite. That mm. gave you an excuse to serve God with freedom and joy. Yes, you know, um, growing up um, with my grandparents. One of the things I realized was that in as much as I feared them, I loved them. And anytime I was asked to do things or that I knew things I knew I should do, uh, I was not necessarily doing them out of compulsion, but I do them because I love them and I respect them. I mm. think this was an answer I gave to a Muslim young lady in Dubai. And mm -hmm. uh, I just ask him, when you have to be kind to your parents, do you do that because you love them 
or you do that because you're scared they will beat you up. He says, I do that because I love them, and that's exactly the point. Um, grace liberates you to live for God, not because He will put you to hell, but because you have accepted His love and that you genuinely love and respect Him. Amen. Yeah. So, uh, grace. Uh, we live a, a grateful life in mm -hmm. response to grace, not yes. not a licentious life. No. And I know that Asari has uh, uh, his ministry has blossomed through the years. He's a writer. Mm -hmm. uh, and tell us some of the other things you do with pastors and students. Yes. And uh, and how you've used uh, the message where you've mm -hmm. been preaching. Yes. So yes, uh, from 2012. Um, I decided the journey. Um, my wife and I love to call it the liberation movement <laughs> to to get people to understand the gospel of grace mm. um, in our own small way. Dr. Bing's books have been of great impact into everything. Of course, we use every material of this. Uh, my favorite will always be simply by grace. Mm. My favorite. Of course, all the others are fantastic. But <laughs> simply by grace, it's more communicative. It's, um, it relates more to you uh, on that. So we, we decided to take this gospel of grace to as many people as possible right there on the streets. And we believe we started with a street project. So we started going to the street because this is where people mostly feel nobody loves special on the street of Accra. An ordinary street person thinks everything is against them. The street in Accra, the capital city of Ghana. Yes, and so when you talk about going to the street, you're talking about the the, the popular or more pop, uh, populous part of the city. Yes, of the city. Where, where there's, they're poor. Yes, very And, and needy. Uh, yeah, I think maybe we call it inner cities. Where you have the poor and needy people who sleep on the streets, um, okay, in the open street for that matter. So we decided to take the gospel of grace to them, and gradually, it was so exciting to see people who feels unloved coming around to believe that yes, God loves me and I can change, and not that you can change, but that God can change you. All you need to do. Is to just rely on his grace one day at a time waking up every morning and sensing that the lord loves you and by grace um we found many of them um transforming from the streets and we helping them to build better lives uh, we put a lot of them in school uh, many of them have graduated now then we took it a step further we decided to go to the secondary schools and the universities and share our story. Um, so we began from some of the churches, especially from the Presbyterian Church. Thankfully, they opened their doors to their students' um, organizations. So we went to them and we started speaking to them about this grace and, and more importantly, assurance of salvation. Mm -hmm. You know, Which is a big problem in Ghana, I'm sure. The biggest problem in Ghana because many Christians and they sing about it. There's a song that literally translates as this heaven, uh, this journey to heaven. I do not know whether I will make it, but I will keep trying. Maybe I may make it. 
That's a song very popular. So Not one you sing with a lot of joy. <laughs> they say, well, these days I, I look back and I begin to ask myself, this was a kind of song I was singing and thinking, uh, singing the gospel. I was actually dumbing myself, you know, every day of it. So we started the journey through schools and secondary schools. And, and then we realized that um, many of our people are illiterate. Um, and by being illiterate, they can read, they can write. And we, we thought of means to share the gospel with them. I think our first approach was recording the free grace message translated into the local languages and put them on CDs for them. So we started giving out free CDs with the gospel of grace. Then, um, God opened doors for me to travel to China. And then I saw a company that could get me a device that we could even put the Bible on it. So we began buying the audio Bible device. I think we were the first to start the distribution of audio Bible in Ghana. Oh. And we saw that uh, Faith Comet by Hearing had done a great job in reading some of the few languages. And then we also paid linguistics to do the reading, uh, translating some of the Bible into the various languages. And yeah, go ahead. Yeah, translating the Bible into the various languages. And then we put it on this device with a recording of the free grace message. Now, at the moment, what we're doing is, uh, and this uh, I started before telling Dr. Bing, we're translating one of his books um, onto audio, and then more like an audio book in our local language, which is which is simply by grace. No, oh, this books of by which language did you translate? Chi. We asked. Uh, we started Chui, which Chui. most people in Ghana speak. Speaks. So we will get it in Chi, and uh, well, we've also translated a lot of the grace notes. Is I'm following the grace notes, every grace notes that's released. And so we pick a couple of them, translated it into Chui. There is one running in Hausa now, and we put it on the audio. Wow, that's very interesting. Device. I didn't know that. And, and then we, we give them out. Uh, to the last count, we've given 15,000 of them away. And Did the audio devices? Yes, the audio devices. Which contains can contain... Hundreds of Bible translations and Hundreds, books. Yes, and and it, we might point out that the illiteracy rate in Ghana is uh, about two thirds. Yes, so most people can't really read and don't interact with books. Yes, but will listen. Yes. to messages or the Bible. That's it. it it's 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 easier uh, that way because uh, um, not everybody. Uh, more, more, more than 60% of Ghanaians can't read nor write. So, yes. So, um, it was easier that way. So, we've, and we keep going. Um, and then we added some kindness to it because what we realized is that people, people are tired of listening, mm -hmm. especially this generation. Um, when, if you're growing up in a hopeless um, society like some, parts of our country and and then you find somebody coming to tell you god loves you i don't think that message will make sense 
until they have demonstrated some love to you. Mm -hmm. So uh, with a couple of friends, we activated our charity programs, uh, giving water, building clinics and hospitals for communities. And by so doing, it gives us access mm. to be able to share the gospel of grace. One big testimony was in Guinea. Guinea is in the Upper East region of our country. And we got there, the chief of the community was infected with guinea worm. Um, I don't know whether you know of the guinea, guinea worm. Guinea worm? No, I'm not familiar with it, but it sounds like one of those tropical diseases you don't want to catch. Yeah, uh, it's actually a worm that enters into your leg because you drink bad water, oh. and then your leg gets swollen. It, this thing had to be pulled out. It's, it's, it's not such a nice thing. But the chief of the community was infected with guinea worm. Oh. And he was... We went to greet him in his palace, and, and we saw that the cattle and the humans of the community were drinking from the same stream. And mm. these, these people had um, two boreholes, which, which were built for them by World Vision somewhere mm. in 1987, and, and, and got spoiled in 1990 and not repaired. Mm -hmm. So the people relied heavily on this bad water, and about... 50% of the people in the community were infected with the Guinea worm. Oh, my goodness. So the first thing that came to us was to provide them with clean water. Mm -hmm. and, and, and God's grace made it possible. People supported. We supported. And then we got them water. When mm -hmm. we got the waters running, the chief just asked us, what brought you here? We said, Jesus Christ did. And he said, everybody in this community is a Christian from today. <laughs> he just commanded everybody to be a Christian. Okay. Well, at least, at least he gave you access to yes. everybody. So, yeah, we spoke, we spoke to them about the gospel of grace. And um, I'm grateful to say it is the one community that now everybody goes to church. Ah. And we're trying to build them a place of worship, but they now worship under a big tree, so we mm. call it a church under tree. Okay. You know. So, yes, the gospel of grace liberates, and then it gives breath in your heart to love your God and to be about his business without effort. Yeah. That, that reminds me of uh, one more story that I heard mm -hmm. you tell, and, and we'll close with this story mm -hmm. about the, the Ashanti ruler. Mm -hmm. what, yes. His title Yes, the over the, the whole Ashanti tribe, which mm -hmm. is the big, powerful tribe in Ghana, and you were able to share the gospel with him. Yes, yes, uh, the overlord of the Ashanti kingdom. Um, I'm not going to mention his name, but you can mm -hmm. Google it, you find out. That's right. And um, I had a conversation with him uh, as, as, as his nephew. Um, by tradition, um, I, I see him once a year. And uh, because, yes, you need to understand why. Uh, because um, I stand to gain the more if he should die. So he has, yeah, as, a nephew, as his nephew. He has what? You said eunuch? Yes, I stand to gain the more if he should die. Yeah, you. And so I, he allows his nephews to see him once a year. Mm -hmm. And in one of such visits, um, he began to ask me about salvation. He began to ask me about whether God is love 
because he's seen me talking about the love of God all over. And then I said, yes. And he says, what, what do I really need to do? And I said, all you need to do is to believe. I said, just that? I said, yes. And he went like, a man like me, are you sure this God will love me knowing, and of course, knowing our backgrounds, knowing what we do, knowing the traditions. Um, it's easy for you to condemn yourself in the face of this holy God. And I said, yes, because our ancestors are not that forgiven. They, they punish you when you default. Mm. Um, and, and, and so it's very difficult for anybody rooted in ancestral worship to come around this gospel of a loving God who is not, who is not going to put you in hell mm. because you offended him, mm -hmm. but is willing to forgive you and keep forgiving you. I remember sharing with him that God is like that teacher, that nursery teacher, and a student or a learner, a child messes up a clean sheet that was given to him or her to draw something. And you mm -hmm. come to him and say, teacher, I messed up this paper. And, and he says, take a clean one, do better next time. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter how many times, as long as you remain his child. And of course, as a father, I do not, I do not know when my children will cease being my children. Yes. You know, so he, he just said, wow, is, this, is it that simple? I said, it's that simple. And then he says, can you pray with me? Mm. And then we prayed. And I'm so glad to say that my uncle, who is the custodian of the customs of the land, mm -hmm. the custodians of the tradition of the land, is now a Christian. Amen. Loving Amen. Jesus the most, every day One of the most powerful tribes, yeah. the most powerful man over yeah. the tribe is now a Christian yeah. because he thought he, he didn't understand God's love and God's grace through the ancestor worship that didn't offer that. Mm -hmm. And so you brought him that liberating message. Yes. And as the overlord of the Ashanti kingdom, um, it is believed that he is a deity himself. Hmm. So he's the only king that's worshipped. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. So he's a deity. When, when you occupy the golden stool, the golden stool, which is the Ashanti stool. Yes. It's that's, a, like that's a U-shaped stool Yes, uh, that I actually own one, and <laughs> carved from mahogany. Okay. Uh, I'm just trying to visualize that for people. Yes. The Ashanti stool is a special place. Yes. Uh, and so when someone occupies the golden stool. Golden stool, yes. And the golden stool was believed to have been conjured from heaven mm. and given to the royal Yoko clan. Um, and so the occupant of the golden stool. For some reason, our recording ended abruptly before some final words, but you got to hear Asari's story. You can find him on Facebook under his full name given in the podcast written introduction. Can you relate to his effort to try to be good enough to get into heaven by your own good works and the relief it brought to discover the meaning of grace and salvation? When Asari understood grace was a free gift, not only did it give him full assurance of his salvation, but it gave him a ministry. How about you? 
Are you trusting in your performance or what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross? Put your faith in the Son of God who died to pay for your sins, rose again, and promises eternal life as a free gift. You'll find the same freedom as Asari. Let me know what you think about Asari's story. Don't forget to subscribe to the Simply by Grace podcast so you won't miss our next Grace story. So, until all here, God bless. Thank you for listening. For more resources, or to help spread the message of God's life-changing grace, visit our website at gracelife.org. We'd love to hear from you. Send us a message at simplybygrace at gracelife.org. See you next time.